beignets under a mountain of powdered sugar, a cocktail called Nicodemus, and mac and cheese as a vegetable. This week, we're in Alabama. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. You found the place where food and travel intersect at DestinationEatDrink.com, on the Destination Eat Drink YouTube channel, and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, my guest is Darley Newman, host and creator of the PBS TV show Travels with Darley. But first, if you like this podcast, do me a favor, rate and review the show. You'd be helping me out, and more importantly, you'll be helping other people find out about our little corner of the world where food and travel take center stage. And if you really like the show, please consider supporting us. You can do a one-time contribution in any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash destination eat drink. And thank you very, very much. Darley Newman is the creative mind behind the wonderful show Travels with Darley on PBS. The brand new season, her 11th, has just debuted. So check your listings for when it airs on your PBS station. Darley talks with me about creating the episodes this season in Alabama. She talks about meat and three, fried green tomatoes, and local beer and cocktails. Plus, we discuss the merits of vegan cauliflower wings, and we get off on a tangent about movie, TV, and rock and roll tourism. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Darlie Newman, welcome back to Destination Eat Drink. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to chat about some tasty topics. I know. It's always so fun talking to you. You've got season 11 now of Travels with Darlie out on PBS. Check your local listings. Um, you know, I've told you this before. What I always love about your show is that there's a food segment in it, but I feel now like you're really embracing foodie travel in your show. In fact, you've got two episodes on Alabama that are pretty much completely dedicated to food. Um, do you see it as a as a difference, as a shift with what you're uh, presenting? Or is this just an organic change? Or is it more of the same and I'm just reading too much into it? No, Brent, I'm definitely doing a lot on food. And I think it's because I've become personally obsessed with it. <laughs> like, in Welcome my to own... the club. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's so funny because I think it's just happened over the... Once you start to travel, as you know, and try good foods in different places, you have to... It's so good. You have to seek it out. I mean, I seek it out in my home area of New York City every day I think about it. I mean, it's weird, but I really feel that food is such a strong component to making your life happier and better. And if you can eat good things that you like that make you happy, it's it's a happiness factor. So, and I think food food also says a lot about culture and, you know, the foods that we have in different places share with us when we start to look at them, the history of that area and the culture that's there and the melting pot of peoples in, in various locations. And I think that's really interesting. So I've definitely been diving into it even more as we've been traveling and, and at home as well, but you'll definitely see it reflected in the upcoming season. 
preach on, you know, I say it all the time on the podcast and I, I repeat it because I think it's important. Food is culture. Culture is food. Um, you know, and all kinds of artistic endeavors uh, combined to create our culture. But, you know, the one that I love to focus on, the one that I love to talk about is is food. And I wanted to talk with you today about um, Alabama because you did two separate episodes of food in Alabama. So it must have been something that really struck you when you went there that the food culture is extra special, extra important. What did you find when you went to Alabama? Because I'm a person, I've been to Alabama, but really briefly, like I was road tripping from Georgia to Texas. And I think we stopped there for lunch (laughs) halfway in. And that was it. That was my only experience in Alabama. So as I watch these episodes, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. That's really interesting. That's something that I didn't know about. Tell me about your experience a little bit, darling. Well, you know, Alabama is an underrated state for travel in general. And a lot of places that we go that I've been filming, including I just went back to North Dakota for a second time, people don't always, doesn't come to the top of their list necessarily every time for a vacation. But uh, this is, I've been to Alabama a number of times doing the civil rights trail for two episodes and now two episodes on food. And I think when you watch these episodes, you'll discover that the food, as you're saying, Brent is the culture and it does share the history. Mobile has uh, all these influences from the French being there, the Spanish being there. Um, we go to Louisiana and we're in Lafayette and we're talking about Cajun Creole culture in this season, but in Alabama, Wow, the diversity of food. You think about barbecue, you think about seafood, but we're talking about these amazing fresh oysters from the Gulf. We're talking about uh, fried green tomatoes at the cafe that inspired Fanny Flagg to write her book um, that became the fried green tomatoes motion picture that has like Kathy Bates and Mary Louise Parker. And these are places that you can visit. There's a hot dog place in Montgomery that's served all these celebrities throughout time. Hank Williams is eaten there. Martin Luther King Jr. It's on a historic route. I, I think Alabama is fascinating because there's so many restaurants and places that have been around for a very long time. And when I cover stuff, I do like to cover those places that have those deep roots because a we want to film something that's going to be around in a couple of years when people continue to watch these episodes over and over again, but also because the fact that they've been around for so long, these restaurants and family-owned places, that really speaks highly of them. This place, the Bright Star that I went to, which was started by a family of Greek immigrants, and it it's won a James Beard Award for for its kind of almost like the heritage of what what is there. They they serve these snapper throats, which I would have never thought about tasting or trying before. And they were absolutely delicious. I mean, there's just some really, really fascinating places to eat in Alabama and places that have these deep roots and a lot of history that you can learn when you go there to try something. Let's dive into some of the dishes and some of the places specifically. Um, the first thing I want to ask you about is meat and three. Because this was a concept I wasn't familiar with until I went to South Carolina the first time and I started seeing meat and three on menus. Um, So a lot of folks, maybe like me, are not familiar with meat and three if they're not from the South or they haven't spent any time there. So first of all, what is meat and three and what kind of places would you suggest going to in Alabama to get the best meat and three? Well, 
there's a great meat and three is kind of a traditional Southern way to eat where you can go into a place or even have it at home and you, you have your choice of meats and you have your choice of different side dishes. And if you, if you're like, if you are like me or so many people I know, the sides are really important to a meal. And not only can they be so healthy and complimentary if you diversify and pick, pick through them, but they can also just add, it's almost like it, to me, it's almost like the Spanish tapas where you get to try. Yeah. Yeah. With your meal. And one thing that's great about Alabama meat and three that I discovered going to, there's a restaurant called the noble South, which is really amazing and has their sourcing things um, in the mobile area, but from throughout Alabama from local farms. So when you have meat and three there, the vegetables are coming from these, you know, different local farms in Alabama and beyond. And, you're getting something healthy and you're supporting farmers when you eat there. But then I went to this other place, City Cafe, which has been around for a very long time. And I got to speak with the owner who grew up in the restaurant. A lot of people grew up literally like being there when they were kids with their parents running these places. And that's something special. And they're carrying down those traditions. But I had like a hamburger steak at the City Cafe. Well, it's in outside of Tuscaloosa in Northport. <clears throat> and it was smothered with like, onions and gravy. And I picked like cabbage and I had greens with it and I had um, potato dish and cobbler. It just was really delicious and diverse. And so when you go to a place like a meet and three, like I wish there were some around my area of New York city and there would be, but it would be a little bit different, but it's that complete meal that you want to have sometimes when you're feeling like, you know, this is, this is a complete meal experience and you can find it in a lot of places in, in Alabama. And when you get the three, you know, people think, oh, it's going to be all veggies. And you can, you can get, you know, your greens and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I always got to get the mac and cheese as one of my threes on the side. <laughs> well, it's so funny you say that because um, it's Chef Chris Reineshek, who was with me at the Noble South. He he was like, well, you know, everyone's favorite uh, other vegetable, the macaroni and cheese. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love it. That's one of my favorite dishes. And I will gladly call it a vegetable if I can put it on the side. So really, really tasty. Um, and then on the other side of the meat and three is this uh, idea for vegans, our vegan friends. We're going to take care of them in Mobile at a place called Plant Bay, B-A-E. And I was so glad to see this place for a couple of reasons. One, to give uh, people who don't eat meat or who are curious about not eating meat an option. But also this is owned by uh, an African-American uh, woman or couple, I can't remember which. Um, but it reminded me of when we were in Georgia, there was this place called, and this name is really funny and maybe some people will find it offensive, but, uh, there was a place that was just getting started about three, four years ago called slutty vegan. And it's oh. run by, <laughs> it's run by an African American lady. And I knew I was going to talk to you, darling. So I looked it up She's now in 11 locations, most of them in Georgia, but I think there's one in Alabama and there's a couple in New York. There's one in Brooklyn I saw. So um, you're going to have to uh, check this out uh, near your home. But tell me a little bit about Plant Bay because I loved seeing this on your show. So, you know, in this season, we cover vegan at Plant Bay in Montgomery with Dr. QB Merritt is her name. And it she she actually started this because she was 
personally looking to try to eat more healthy foods because she had gone to the doctor and seen that her cholesterol was getting higher. And she started to just do a plant-based diet for a while and it was working for her. And she thought, wow, I think this is like a hole in the marketplace in this area. And it's funny because it's only a couple of blocks from Chris's hot dogs. So it's like, (laughs) I guess if you were out with your family and you're touring around Montgomery, you could say, oh, if some people want to go eat some healthy vegan, they can go right there. And the others can go over and have a hot dog at Chris's hot dog. So you have your choices, but she does a meatless version of meat and three. And I thought it was really cool. Her cauliflower wings looked like chicken wings and she had them all like battered up. I mean, it looked like I was about to eat fried chicken and I was eating cauliflower wings and she had a vegan mac and cheese option and collard greens and lima beans. I had a Philly, it was kind of like a Philly, it looked like a Philly cheesesteak and it actually tasted quite similar to that. It was using beyond meat. So just something different that I think people are seeking out. A lot of modern travelers, they want to have these different things that they might eat at home. I mean, they want to try things and experiment when they're traveling, but sometimes you want to be able, if you're vegan or vegetarian, you want to look for those options, obviously, when you're on the road. And this is an exceptional place to have that um, in Montgomery. And it's funny because we also, in this season, I'm going to South Korea and trying... um, I'm also trying vegan food there. So, you know, we're looking at these different diverse options that people might want to have when they're traveling that are really exceptional in these different areas. I love the vegan cauliflower wings. I'm using air quotes for wings here. We were just in the U.S. and our friends took us to a place in Chicago. They just opened a brand new all vegan food hall in Chicago. And this, yeah, it's really good. And the stall, one of the stalls we went to had these vegan cauliflower wings. And I was like, you know what? It makes total sense because the best part of the wing is that hot sauce. You know, I don't care about the other stuff as much. It's, it's like the interesting of the hot sauce. And if it's cooked properly, as long as the cauliflower doesn't get mushy, you can get a, you can get a nice bite to it. It's incredibly delicious, and that sauce kind of absorbs into the uh, cauliflower. It's a great combination, I think. I was I was excited. I was like, I I love trying new things when we're traveling and in life in general, and to be able to have these different options where you know maybe you don't want to have meat one day, and you know, or if you are vegan, this option is there, and it's really good. And I thought it was really neat her background and her choice to try to present things to people so they can have that healthier food option when they're in Montgomery. I just thought that was almost like a public service. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, you, you did mention, Darley, fried green tomatoes, and that's a dish that I was not familiar with until the movie came out. Um, and I don't think I had fried green tomatoes actually until many years later. You want to maybe go into a little bit about fried green tomatoes um, and, you know, its importance. It's uh, it's everywhere on menus in, in the South, I guess, in Alabama. Uh, it's everywhere. It's uh, it's a wonderful little dish. I, I never realized how good it was until I actually had it. Yeah, there's a really different flavor profile. And they're a bit like the tomatoes themselves can be a bit like more um, dense, crispy and, and kind of hard than your traditional red tomato. And then when they're fried up, you know, and so much goes into frying these foods that you don't even think about, which I've thought about more because I've been traveling to so many places where I'm eating fried foods. 
But, you know, people using a lot of different batters and things when they're frying, and that makes such a difference. Like I, you think it sounds obvious, but it's really true. And hearing the different ways that people are, are, are creating these batters and doing these things to, to fry them and then to have that stick is really interesting. I mean, I was just at a corn dog place and on Route 66 in Illinois, <laughs> learning about how they're doing the corn dogs and a fried chicken place as well on Route 66 that had this, it was just, it was exceptional. But the fried green tomatoes, I, I just thought it was neat. I really wanted to go to Irondale Cafe. It's in Irondale, Alabama. And it's a kind of place where um, you can sit inside or outside, but there's a trains going by right across from the cafe. It's a very small town. And uh, people do go there because they're wanting to have the fried green tomatoes at that specific location. And you can, again, order from a variety of of different dishes on this like big chalkboard that's on the wall. Um, and it's kind of like cafeteria style, but again, you've got to go for the fried green tomatoes and you bite into them. It's like the crispy fried goodness on the outside, a little bit of a, like a harder, um, but zesty tomato on the inside. And I was like, wow, I would travel here again to eat these. And also to be in that setting of this small town with the trains going by. And you think about the, the history and, the book that was written based on, you know, this Fanny Flagg's experiences at this cafe, and then got turned into this major emotion picture. And I think that's really neat. A lot of people are traveling to go to movie locations, but when you can combine food with history and film sites, I think it's a pretty strong winning combination if you're in Alabama. Yeah, we talk about food tourism on this show a lot, but this this idea of film tourism has really taken off recently. And, um, you know, I, I credit, I, I had uh, Portia Jones on the show and we talked about this idea of film tourism and she and I both agree that a lot of it goes, a lot of the credit goes to uh, Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. You know, these are the ones that really jump-started this idea. Although it's been around for many years, um, this has really become a big thing now. And in some ways it's become a problem in places like Dubrovnik because, Everyone wants to go to see these Game of Thrones locations and it's, uh, you know, clogging up the city. No one else can get in or out. It Well, and actually, it's so funny you say that because in my um, original first seasons, I was over in the UK and I rode the train that's in um, that takes the kids to Hogwarts right. that's in. And I mean, I, but I thought it was, I, I do seek out those places too. And I understand why people do. I mean, we see them in the movies and then you want to go to either a location where something was actually filmed or the place where someone came up with the idea to write the story. I think both are pretty cool and both exist in so many different places. And I, I think it's fun because a lot of these big movies, they reach so many people and they then create almost like a shared memory among us. So being able to travel and go to a location where, you know, we can all relate to something is, is, is kind of fun. It's kind of neat. It's a cool idea. I really like it a lot myself. Um, and I, I have this other thing of, uh, of, of rock and roll tourism <laughs> that is not a thing. It's just a me thing. But I like going to places that are you know, like on album covers, went back when albums were a thing. I'm dating myself here. Um, you know, or where uh, where records were recorded, or where people wrote songs. I find that incredibly fascinating. Like 
is is there something in the air? Is there something in the water that sparks this creativity? So that's that's another thing that kind of relates to film tourism and food tourism is rock and roll tourism. Although I think I'm one of the few people who actually engages in that. No, I mean that's I think I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. Um, John D'Amico does a rock and roll uh, tour of Los Angeles. It's featured in my LA episode, actually. And I think you would love that. Wow. Hollywood and West Hollywood. And he takes you to sites. And I went to the Viper Room and all these different, and then some different clubs and places where a lot of people have played. And it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I, I, I'm into it as well. You live in New York, so that would be an ideal place for some enterprising young person to uh, come up with a rock and roll tour of uh, of New York City. You could go, go to the uh, tenement where the physical graffiti album is from, or you could go to where Bruce Springsteen recorded uh, Born to Run in New York, or, you know, any number. I mean, there's a billion places, some of them well-known, some of them less well-known. Yeah, Manchester, England. We went. I have in my Manchester episode Salford Lads Club, which was the um, the Smiths album, "The Queen Is Dead," and um, John. This guy does a Manchester taxi tour. You can go around in his black cab around Manchester, and he takes you to historic sites, including music locations. So I think there's. A, it's so funny because if you think of something you want to do on your travels, someone out there is probably there to take you around. You might have to dig a little, but. They, they exist. Well, let's get back to food because I want to talk about uh, beignets. When we lived in Austin, we used to go to New Orleans all the time because it's a quick little flight. And I have my favorite beignet places in New Orleans. But I guess, I guess shame on me for not realizing, of course, there's a French... Um, there's a French influence all over this region of the United States. And of course, beignets are going to make their way to other places besides just New Orleans. You had a beignet in Mobile. And I got to say, it looked a little bit different than the beignets that I've had in New Orleans because your powdered sugar was piled as high as Mount Everest on that thing. <laughs> and I'm not used to seeing that much powdered sugar on a beignet. Oh my God, that sounds so good right now too. I would totally love to have one. Um, they, you know, they're known for their different syrups at Mobe Beignet. And it was, it's a, it's a women owned business and she started small and grew it out. And they've got this amazing buttercream syrup that you can put on your uh, beignets or cinnamon and they change the different syrups, but they do. I choked a bit on it's in the behind the scenes outtakes on the powdered sugar. Cause I almost inhaled this right. beignet when I had I mean, but the cool thing is you can walk into this place and, um, you know, you see them making the beignets right there. You can get one that literally is just, you, they hand it to you. It just came out of the fryer and they make them every day from scratch. Um, and something, something made from scratch just has a, a different flavor. And when you're using those kind of like homespun ingredients to make something, I think it just, it just changes the flavor profile in such a authentic way, which I love. Uh, and I thought this place is really cool because it's in downtown Mobile. And while I was there, I ran into um, a food tour company that was leading travelers there as part of their food tour. And that also speaks highly in, about the location and that specific Mobe Beignet place, because when there's a food tour company going there and it's one of these small, smaller food tour um, adventures, 
you know that it's going to be good because that's their whole business is taking you to really tasty and more unique places. So, you know, I loved these beignets and they, they were a little bit different, but they were just so light and airy and, and, you know, putting these different syrups and having the choices. I tried all of them and I was like, <laughs> cause you have to, right? Of course. <laughs> There's nothing like a beignet fresh out of the fryer later. I mean, it's a, it's a life-changing experience, right? Um, I want to talk a little bit about drinks because I know you, Darla, you enjoy having a, having an occasional beer or <laughs> an occasional cocktail. <laughs> um, tell me, uh, what kind of, what kind of beer did you enjoy when you were on your Alabama food road trip? Well, I had beer and I had some pretty strong cocktails <laughs> in, in a variety of places. So at Druid City Brewing, I was, um, just in Tuscaloosa and, trying some craft beer with this guy, Seth Wright. And I thought this place was a standout. The craft beer, you craft beer is different everywhere you go because of the different water that's being used because of the different hops, you know, where they're sourcing things from. I've learned a lot about beer on my travels as of, you know, the past few years as I've been drinking around the world and and across the USA. And I thought this was place place was really cool because they're very, very much trying to foster community there, but it also has like retro games and um, they've got an open mic night. I was actually there for open mic night and, and locals were performing. And that's another thing that I've been finding in this season that we're highlighting in, in our travels in general is these places where you, you come to do one thing, but you can do many others because they are trying to get people to come for different occasions, different nights, um, get families to come in some cases. And the ones that foster also local music and local products, I think that's a huge win when we have that artistry that comes in. There's also local artwork at a lot of these places that you can travel where um, they're trying to bring the community in. And I think that makes it really special. So that was one place that you know, I had to go and check out the craft beer scene and I found it to be very active and vibrant and people had, um, you know, their pets there too, which is always fun because I'm a huge dog lover. So I'm like, oh my gosh, when, when dogs and beer are involved, I'm like, <laughs> how can you not want to be here? Um, and then we also went to Nick's in the Sticks, which is a long time Tuscaloosa outpost where you can, it was, it was started and known for having inexpensive steaks, but also very strong cocktails. And they have a cocktail called the Nicodemus, which is, is made with this shot of 151 on top. And uh, it's a hurricane mix with like 80 proof rum. So it is really, really strong, but actually like oh I, it was dangerously, I know I tasted it and I was like, I really don't taste the alcohol, which is like oh, probably no. a problem. <laughs> But, you know, that that's a fun place, too. If you want to travel and go to a place where the locals actually go, the Alabama episode has a lot of the Alabama episodes have a lot of those. I mean, we sought out places that some of the university students go to. And then, for instance, Nick's in the Sticks, it's not just university students, but the students who went there years ago continue to go and then they bring their kids and then they bring their grandkids, believe it or not. And they go there to like hang out and, and, and feel, you know, the vibes of this, of this college area, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. I just think you have to have a designated driver on that one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because those drinks were really creeping up on me. Right. I was like, yeah. What about the uh, speakeasy that you went to in Mobile in the old bank vault? 
This one I thought was pretty awesome as well. Las Florditas. It's uh, it was it was hard to find because we kind of did it as almost like a a trick because like like I guess somebody could have like really like known exactly where it was, but we just kind of knew that it was downstairs in this old um kind of like office bank building. And uh I, I go to speakeasies all the time in New York and other places. And I was like, where is this place? But once you get inside, uh I met with the owner, Bob Baumhauer, who is a former pro for professional football player. And actually a lot of football players work there. The bouncer was a former football player, one of the chefs as well. So if you're looking to meet some tall, <laughs> strong people, they're here at Las Lortitas. And they are also doing this kind of take on Cuban cocktails and they've got a Cuba Hemingway theme going on in there. And I thought the food was exceptional and also the drinks were very very good. So, and just a fun place to try to find when you're in Mobile, which again, melds a lot of different cultures and history from the area. I also went to Fort Condé, which is a museum in Mobile. And, and I thought that was another good thing to do while I was there eating my way through the city, because it really contextualizes that history of, you know, when were the French here? When were the Spanish here? How did Mobile get these different influences? Because when you're eating there, you're seeing the influences through the food. And then you can go and take a step back in time with the history a bit more at the local museum. So a variety of ways to eat and learn when you're in the city. And of course, at the end of the day, after you've been touring around and, you know, of course, having a couple of meals already, you might as well go to a speakeasy and have a cocktail. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Darley, it's been great talking to you. I mean, we focus now on these two episodes that you did on Alabama, but you got 13 episodes in the new season. And I'd like to talk to you about some more of the places that you visit on uh, season 11 of Travels with Darley. Um, can you come back next week and uh, talk some more about some of these places that you visited and some of the food that you ate along the way? Oh, for sure. I mean, we've got Lafayette, Louisiana. I've done revolutionary American revolution history in New Jersey, South Carolina. So, and, and South Korea. So we have a lot of different episodes in this season that, that combine food with history and culture and yeah, lots of beautiful places too. Okay. That's the super talented Darley Newman. So great talking to her. Be sure to catch the new season of Travels with Darley on PBS. Darley also has a brand new podcast. It's also called Travels with Darley. Get that wherever you get podcasts. And you can find out more about Darley at darley-newman.com. I've got a link to her website in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded267. And like I said, Darley will be back next week to talk about more of her season 11 adventures on Travels with Darley, including a great music festival in Louisiana, staying in a Buddhist temple in South Korea, and much more. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a new video about a cocktail crawl in Newport, Rhode Island, including a cocktail with a budget-busting price tag. You can see that by clicking on the video tab at DestinationEatDrink.com or by going to the YouTube channel at DestinationEatDrink946. There's also a new story about a simple but delicious cookie in Portugal. Read that at DestinationEatDrink.com. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. 
I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.